is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Casey's Pizza would have been good. Casey's Pizza <clears throat> got me through college. Casey's Pizza is life, man. Yeah. Casey's Pizza gets me through every winter. Yeah. I'm telling you. I do like Casey's. Although my favorite, though, is Papa Murphy's. Oh. <laughs> His dad owns a Papa yeah. Murphy's. That's why. Oh. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that'd probably be my favorite at that point, too. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. And he makes fun of me for being cheap, but... He gets free pizza, and that's why it's his favorite. I pay for like one out of ten. I can't stop burping because he's not there. Don't burp into the mic, man. Or else was supposed to burp. I really hope he's not recording any I, of this. I would guarantee that he is recording. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, welcome to the Washdown Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host Jeremy Green. This is my co-host Chris Nelson. Our producer James Moran's off camera. Today for we have guest. Yeah, yeah. Today we have guest, uh, Mr. Zach Poe. What's happening, guys? You know. Yeah. It's just living life one day at a time, huh? Yeah. It's Saturday, so fuck it. <laughs> yeah, right? I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> Cutting into my TV time. <clears throat> Cutting into my Saturday time, period. Well, you know, there's, hey, bas- we all- there's basketball on. There's nice weather. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about real sports. Hey, man, it's not football season. I know, right? And you're, Baseball's you're, starting you're, It's spring training. Who cares? Uh, everybody should care. I can't stand spring training. But, hey, they're going to let fans in the stadium. Do you see that? And they are adamant about it, too. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. You know I, how much, I wonder how much money the NFL stadium has lost. I can't imagine. Especially, like, and then I know pretty much all of MLB has came out. and yeah, like, Oh, yeah, we're opening the doors. And there's, like, no restrictions, and we don't care. Yeah. Come, come yeah. On. Wow. Man, if you could eat a, a baseball or a football stadium hot dog and drink their beer and walk out alive. I think you're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> COVID doesn't have a chance. It's like COVID comes up and like, nope, nope, I'm good. I'm staying out of yeah. that. If you survive stadium food, then you're good to go forever. Yeah. You, yeah. Sur- you survive stadium bathrooms, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. You remember it cleaner now than <laughs> they you, ever you have. Remember been. the old trough? Yeah. Out there at the yep. football stadium? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Walking in there, 60 dudes lined up. Hey, man, we got a spot right here. Yep. <laughs> Anytime somebody mentions that, it just takes me back to the scene from Beer Fest. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> Let me see your shoe. Top me off. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, so. I mean, I could be watching WandaVision or the watch, rewatch The Mandalorian. Yeah. You know, I, was, I told you I was going to bring it up. Yeah. I know. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Yeah. Baby Yoda I'll right there. So can see. <laughs> oh, God. My wife bought that for me. That's my basement blanket when we watch movies. Yeah. Well, that's now our. <clears throat> Lighting blanket. <laughs> this is totally not filmed in a basement all creepy like her. Yeah, no. No, no, no. Yeah. He's just watching over us, making sure we do it right. Yeah. Be nice to each other. He's going to force choke you. God, if he would just force choke James, I would be so happy. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's burping so much. Could be. You never know. It's force burp. All right. So, Zach, you spent uh, 12 years in the Marine Corps. You know, doing some guiding and stuff now. So why don't you just kind of start at the beginning? Tell us how you joined up, and then we'll just go from there. Sounds good, man. Yeah, so, uh, oh, God, what year was it? 2007, I think, is when I got this wild hair up my butt and decided that where I was living at was just really overrated. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, and then this dude with this super cool uniform used his little – mind tricks on me and 
uh, you know, promised me all this travel and cool stuff and everything else. And so I was kind of, I, I spent about a year at the recruiting station, you know, doing like the, they've got, it's called a pulley program. It's delayed entry. And it's basically, you're not actually, you know, enlisted at the time. I and mean, you go work out and you like study for the ASVAB and they teach you, you know, just general basic marine knowledge that you learn in boot camp. Um, spent about a year doing that and, you know, never really kind of lost it. Uh, ended up on a whim. Uh, I got, you know, mind tricks again. Um, <laughs> got a phone call. I, and, you know, this time in my life, like I was 18, going on 18, 10 foot tall, bulletproof. I knew everything, <laughs> right? So working, uh, I was taking care of horses actually and decided that high school was super overrated too. So my second semester of my senior year, I dropped out. Um, <laughs> I bet your recruiter loved that. <laughs> oh, he did. And here's the best part about it is that, like, I only had two classes that I had to do, and one of them was an ag class that didn't even require me to go to school. I think I only had to go to school for, like, an hour a day. <laughs> you were a right? foot away from the finish line, man. Yeah. Like one I was, foot. You yeah, can see it. I was, I was there, man. Um, Dadgum 18-year-olds, man. <laughs> I know, right? Real genius. So – I ended up doing a like a non-traditional online um, after my recruiter just absolutely took my soul at PT <laughs> one day for doing this. And uh, I ended up graduating non-traditionally and he was like, hey man, like I can, I, I think I was supposed to leave in like December or January of 08 and, uh, or January of 09. And he was like, hey, I got a seat that opened up and we're going in July and, you know, I already had like all my contracts worked out and I was going to go contract and go O three 3 and all the other good stuff. And then, uh, he was like, well, it's an open contract and you know, you're, you're going to go infantry. So I was like, sweet, you know, can't beat that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and chime the mind trick bell there. Um, open contract actually means you're going to do whatever they want you to do. <laughs> uh, so I go through boot camp and we get done and I'm thinking that, you know, I'm about to go to ITB, which is the infantry training battalion mm -hmm. for the Marine Corps. And, uh, they're like, no, you're going to go to Marine combat training. Well, that's where all the non-infantry guys go. And I'm like, Whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Um, so I ended up going motor T, uh, I tell you that I drove big trucks, but I didn't. I walked around with a piece of paper and wrote down all the stuff that's wrong because it's the Marine Corps and we have no money to fix stuff. So, <laughs> uh, that tape of super glue is your friend, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Isn't and, it the uh, adapt and overcome? That's the, the mantra. Yeah, we did a lot of adapting and overcoming. <laughs> trust me. Hey, um, rock is pretty round. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. So I did that for two years, and then I finally got um, back to the infantry side. Uh, so I had to go back through ITB. And uh, I became an 0351. I'd love to tell you that it was like a super awesome job. I blew shit up all the time. But in reality, I didn't. Um, I was a glorified 11 uh, rifleman. And uh, we were breachers. And we had uh, the small at the time. So those of you guys that are watching that, you know, 0351s no longer exist because I guess we were that good. Um, <laughs> but we basically kind of had a split role of, you know, we would, breach and we would work with the engineers on like proof and minefields and uh you know ied finding ieds and not 
not disposing of them like that was EOD's job um, or the engineers that thought they were EOD for whatever reason. But spent uh, 10 years, 10 and a half years doing that. Um, and I mean, I went all over the world. I went Okinawa, you know, a couple combat deployments, uh, even snuck in a booze cruise. <laughs> Got to go on a mew. Um, it was actually a Mediterranean float. Uh, and we did some operations, some combat operations on that deployment. And then uh, my last deployment was uh, Norway. I was, uh, my battalion was one of the first groups of Marines to deploy back there. I think, I want to say it was like 10 or 12 years. Um, it'd been a while. And we used to, so in Norway, we've got a whole bunch of stuff staged in the caves up there. Um, so we used to just deploy up there for training ops. Um, that was also my most miserable deployment. We spent about six months above the Arctic Circle. <laughs> i tell so you what, like I, I do a lot of duck hunting, right? I do a lot of time in the cold. Never in my life have I ever been that cold for that long. The sky was cool, though, right? Yeah, it was. It was, uh, it was wild. I mean, we saw northern lights like every night. Um, and it's, it's crazy because you actually, like, you think that, you know, after 10 years in the Marine Corps, like, you do some wild stuff running around with all kinds of weight and but we went up there and we lived in that environment man and like you truly learn what the human body is capable of and it was a pretty cool deal i mean it was the worst deployment but it was also probably the coolest one that we did <laughs> i mean we lived better in combat zones <laughs> than we did in norway but we also didn't have anything and we kind of knew it going in um worked with the british royal marines the called themselves the commandos i think um basically it's a group of guys that like their sole purpose is kind of like the 10th mountain division their sole purpose is living in the cold on the mountain and fighting wars um and you want to talk about you want to talk about some hard dudes like these dudes are a whole different breed of human beings uh so they were kind of like our training group and we did a whole bunch of stuff with them and then came back and Went on the train of getting out. I spent about a year in limbo because I couldn't deploy because uh, I basically was up for promotion and decided that, you know, when I put that rocker on, I got to ride a desk and really didn't have that desire to do that. Um, I was knocking on, I think I was knocking on 28 years old and I was still keeping up with 18 year olds. And I was like, you know, I still want to keep kicking down doors and being awesome. And I knew it was all coming to a close, and uh, basically, I got a nasty taste of my future when we got back from that deployment, because that's kind of how the Marine Corps works. You come back, and your unit just kind of dissipates. Everybody that's non-deployable gets sent to other units, and you're getting new kids in, and everything's just going haywire. Um, so I actually got put in a leadership position. I was a platoon sergeant, um, and then I graduated to do a company gunny. And I even played company first sergeant as an E5. So, I mean, I'm filling billets that their ranks two and three above mine. And needless to say, like, I got a nasty taste of that. I'm like, yo, you mean this is what I got to look forward to for the next eight years? How about hard no? Uh, so I got out. Um, love to sit here and tell you guys that I had this awesome plan for, I mean, I had a whole year to figure it out. And I think that. Hell, I'm pretty sure at one point in time I decided I was going to be a NASCAR driver. Like I don't, <laughs> I just, I just went all over the place with it. It was, it was, it was that situation where you had so much time to figure it out that you don't ever come to a conclusion. 
Yeah. It's almost um, your worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was like the definition of it. And so I ended up, uh, I ended up working, uh, for a guy. He was, he was a Marine. He'd started a construction company. And so the year I got out that winter is when Florence just absolutely ravished North Carolina. Um, I think it, that hurricane sat over us for like a week, man. And it just tore that place all to hell. So there was no shortage. I mean, I grew up, my dad sold construction materials and I grew up on a job site and no shortage of work. Like, and, uh, <clears throat> so kind of jumped in with this guy and started doing remodeling and was, eh, yeah, you know, it's a job and whatever. And it kind of took off and ran and we ended up, uh, my best friend who was a Marine, um, me and him, we did a lot of woodworking together and stuff. And, uh, I ended up getting him on with me and we bounced around from contractor to contractor, you know, trying to find the right fit and uh, eventually just kind of hit the F it button and decided like, man, we're way too smart to be working for somebody, you know, <laughs> like this stuff's a simple concept. So we started our own remodeling gig on the side. Uh, so basically we were working for GC and then we were going and doing side gigs every night. Um, and it was really, really leaning on taking off. And then basically we, everybody in the area caught up with remodeling work and construction work, you know? I mean, what better time to remodel your house than after it gets ravaged by a hurricane? Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you don't, you don't have to pay for the demo at that point. Exactly. You know? like, <laughs> there's a whole lot money. of things you don't yeah. have to pay for. Yeah, but the demo is so, the fun part. Let's be honest. Right. Well, it is. Yeah. It is. So yeah, we, we, uh, we kind of hit a brick wall and we kind of, I think we plateaued out because we let ourselves plateau at that point. And, uh, you know, he, I got an offer. Um, I've waterfowl on it my entire life. Uh, I mean, I remember my dad carrying me to the duck blind, like when I was a kid, little kid. And, uh, I had kind of associated with a guide an outfitter, you know, back home for a little bit and we became friends and, so he hit me up and he was like, Hey man, like I need somebody full time and I know you're going to kill birds. And I'd already dabbled in it in the East coast. I'd work for some of the bigger clubs out there. Um, but I mean, that's a hard industry to get into when my deployment schedule was pretty much every winter, you know, I'd, I'd either catch the front end or the back end of season and you just can't, you'll never establish yourself only hunting yeah, a month out of a season. Like yeah, there's no consistency thing. there. Yeah. <laughs> So they, I, I'd worked for some outfitters on the coast and, um, you know, a lot of it was, we were taking clients to pay for our duck leases that we wanted the duck hunt anyways. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so he hit me up and he gave me a job offer. And I think about two days later, I packed all my shit and headed to the Midwest. And, um, from there, I mean, I spent a year and a half going Oh man, we'd go from North Dakota all the way down to Southern Arkansas and back all in the span of from August to May. Uh, so a lot of driving, a lot of traveling. Um, and then, you know, kind of the same thing happened. Good idea, Ferry. Came along and hit me in the head. <laughs> I'm sensing a pattern here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good idea, Ferry. Comes along, hits me in the head, and I say, hey man, I'm too smart to be working for somebody doing this. So, uh, so me and some buddies, we broke off uh, this year. We all kind of, and we, you know, we're taking it slow. 
starting up because it's a very uh it's a it's an interesting business in the manner of like requirements you know a lot of people think that you know you guys go fun hunting and you got all this public land well you know you can't you can't take paying clients on the public land uh a it's illegal in most states b like the stuff that occurs on public land like that's why they're paying you so they don't have to deal with it um so we're taking it easy and it's uh uh, we jumped on with a guy that he has some, I mean, unbelievable upland dogs. His name's AJ Kalupa. Um, and it's High Point Outdoors uh, is the name of our guide service. And AJ's got some unbelievable dogs, and we kind of kicked it off with that. And we're taking it easy, you know, just trying to get our name out there and still hunting. I mean, I'm in hunting clothes. I'm actually trying to decide if I'm going to drive up north and go try and shoot some snogies this afternoon or not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of – that's the ad-lib story of 20-some-odd years, I guess. Yeah. So, busy, busy, man. It's – Well, you know, at least you're following your passion. Yeah. Doing what you want to do. Yeah. And, uh, and I think life's too short for you to not do that, you know? Yeah. Like, it's – well, oh, absolutely. It, it, it seems to me that, you know, I have several friends that have recently gotten out of the military, and that's a, a big thing for them. A big struggle is they don't know what to do afterwards, yep. you know, mm -hmm. and they're just kind of spinning their wheels of, oh, my God, what's next in my life? I've done this for so long. So, I mean, it's good to see that, you know. Yeah, and it was, I mean, that was a huge, that was a huge shock, man, that, that I mean, I thought that I was good, you know, I went through the, through the motions, if you will. And I will say this, like, they have very good programs for guys that are looking to get out of the, of the military. And I mean, this is across the board, not just the Marine Corps. The problem is, is that it's turned into one of those, like, it's force fed to us, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm not. Dude, no. Like, I don't don't tell this. me I have to do it. I want <laughs> yeah. to do it on my yeah. own. Yeah. Like, I'm a grown man, right? You've been telling me for the last 12 years as you're screaming at me that I'm a grown man. Like, <laughs> I want to make grown man decisions here. And, uh, but they do. I mean, uh, it's the resources that we have getting out are absolutely unbelievable. I mean, you won't find it anywhere else. This is across the military. And the problem is, is that now it's force fed to us. And so. You know, I kind of took advantage of it. I mean, I did a I did a program called Boots to Business, uh, which was you know basically the ins and outs of how to start your own LLC. Um, you have the whole TRS program, the separation program. That it's a week of death by PowerPoint, and like I have a resume that's been written and looked over by several people from Fortune 500 companies. Uh, you know, and it's all free. And it's all like, but the problem is, is that I still have to make the decision of like, what am I going to do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you don't seem like a sit behind a desk type of guy. No, I'm not. I can't, I can't, I lose my mind. I'm going nuts just sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we could move it outside. No. Carry yeah. the mics and you, you can chase the keys. No, we don't, I don't think we need to get into that. <laughs> I can't run like I used to. That's why I got a dog. <laughs> So, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was, that was, that was really big. And I thought I was good. Like I thought I had it all figured out, you know, like I'm working, I'm not a statistic. I'm not this guy that just got out and I'm sitting on my ass and I sure as hell ain't the kid that went to college. Cause we all already see how my education path went. Um, and so I thought I had it all figured out and like 
I was good, and then it hit me, like, really hard. I went to a homecoming for my unit that I was with prior to me getting out my last unit. I went to a homecoming. Man, and you want to talk about, like, just hit you square in the nuts. Like, I, I'm sitting there, and I know everybody. They deployed right after I got out. I know everybody that was there. And uh, it was like, dude, it was just absolutely depressing. Like, because now I'm sitting on the sidelines. I'm not the guy in formation. You know, you never think that something like that would ever bother you. Um, but, man, that hit me hard. And that's kind of when I realized, like, dude, you got to stop faking the funk. Like, because that's what you're doing. You're just going through the motions. You're faking the funk. Like, you're the same guy that barked at people saying, hey, life's too short. Like, go have fun. So, eat your words and go do it. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the big driving force behind me and my impulse decisions and and frankly you know i am too smart to work for somebody so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well it's that humbleness that, that will keep yeah you yeah. yeah right <laughs> something like that <laughs> i was getting ready to make a joke about the high school thing but then i mean you can reach me from here there so I decided yeah. not to. <laughs> <laughs> hey i went to college i did i i, I how, how many classes till you uh said i'm done uh, actually, the Marine Corps said I was done. Really? Yeah. I actually did all of my education that last year that I was in over the summer. And, man, I was rolling. Like, I, I think in about six months, like, I was bearing down on an associate's degree. Also, like, a lot of my stuff, my training in the military mm-hmm. had transferred. So, you know. That helps. Yeah, big yeah. time. And uh, it's, I think it's, like, 90 days. When you're within your EAS of, like, 90 days. They're like... Nope, we're not paying for it anymore. You got to wait till you get your GI bill. And wow! So like I was rolling, and I was like, "Heck yeah, we're gonna get out with the degree and like f the system." And then all of a sudden, it was like brick wall. Needless to say, I've looked at a lot of colleges since then. We haven't made it much past that though. <laughs> so our, our a lot of our stuff carries over into there. We get the credit for it. That helps out a lot yeah it, it's shocking how much like <clears throat> helps out and then yeah. i kind of laugh at it i'm like look at all you punks out here paying for four years of school like <laughs> yeah. i got paid for four years in the military and i got enough credits that i'm all instead of associates <laughs> <laughs> so it is cool that they do that though yeah you know? oh, i'm glad they help, they help like yeah. that it's kind of weird though and a little bit shitty that they don't just because you're getting out that they stop with yeah that. 90 days. Yeah, it's the tuition assistance program. And I mean, I think it's, I think it's dumb, but I also, you know, there's a reason for it. it. Yeah. There's, there's a reason for it. Yeah. That's an up high decision. Yeah. Well, you know, you still got to, you still got to maintain the GPA. Like I can't just go do a full class load and decide I'm going to flunk out and think that I'm going to pull one over on the man and make him pay for all my classes. Like, nah, uh -uh. (laughs) I don't get a paycheck the next time around. (laughs) You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it does suck, but I mean the GI Bill, like it's a good program. It's, it's. I've got a lot of guys that got out that have used it, um, you know. And I think that's the biggest thing is that, like, we've all got these resources. It's just a matter of stop telling me to use them, and let me make the decision to use them. Yeah. Well, and how many of those resources are like widely known? I mean, did they put it out there, or is it something that you gotta like go ask somebody who knows somebody? you know, type of deal. I I would say not as, they're not as broadcasted as they should be. Um, 
like there's a program called uh yeah hence they're not as broadcast as it should be <laughs> um, uh it's it's votech rehab it's called votech rehab and it's through the gi bill right and like they literally will go buy you tools like if you get in a trade job right they'll pay for you to go to a trade school they will assist you in buying all your tools that you need so whether you're going like we'll just use three like we'll do carpentry uh welding and mechanic like you have you've got a magic little card with a certain amount of money on it that you can swipe and your tools are bought for you nobody knows about it and all you have to do is be like 10 percent disabled like who gets out and isn't 10% disabled? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, it's like the fire service. I mean, nobody retires that isn't jacked up in some way. Right. Whether it's mentally or physically. And yep. It's almost always, I mean, physically, mm -hmm. you're going to be broke down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's programs like that. And I, you know about them, but you have to. You do a little digging. Yeah, you got to dig a little bit. I, right. I think that goes back to what you're saying about making man decisions. Yeah. Nobody's telling you what to do and. Yeah, you got to dig. You got to dig. And yeah. it's, I mean, it's unfortunate that they're not broadcast, you know, like I think they should be. But at the same time, like. I wonder how much those programs cost the military in each branch. Because I'm sure they're, it's separated by branch. Yeah, I mean, I, some how, of it's ran by the VA. Some of it's, you know, branch specific. Yeah. So. I mean, it's got to be a budget thing. Like, oh, yeah, we have the money. But if we don't tell anybody and then we use 5%, well, we have 95% to use. Yeah. To fix our vehicles. No. <laughs> no. 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 Let's be honest. Yeah. Come on. That money does not get reallocated. I just, just try to well, help. Let's let try to take help. that back. It gets reallocated, but it goes into somebody's pocket. It yeah, that money go goes into somebody's pocket. It doesn't probably, go into probably some senator. Program. Yeah. Let's be honest. Oh, well, let's not start the politics. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's not start the politics. So anyway, thing. your guiding thing. Yeah. <laughs> You yep. guys do, so I know you do, like you talked about waterfowl and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And we talked previously about, you know, deer hunting and turkey hunting, I think. Yeah. We might have talked about that too. So you guys pretty much do all types of guiding. Uh, not really. It's, it's more, as far as I'm concerned with us, it's waterfowl strictly. Uh, we are kind of dabbling with upland game a little bit. Um. <clears throat> But it's mostly waterfowl. Now, that being said, like, I've got a buddy of mine that we got it together in the past that me and him are really good friends, and he's got his own deer and turkey outfit, you know? So it's kind of one of those, like, yeah, I'm not going to take your money for your deer, but I'm going to tell you who you need to give your money to. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's we stick strictly to waterfowl because um, we just don't. We don't have the resources or the time. I don't get me wrong; like I would love to do deer and turkey, but just no, not happening. Waterfowl already like damn near kills me. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, yep, just waterfowl, but it's multi-state. I mean, we we try and follow the migration down, and then we chase snow geese, bastards, all the way back up. Um, so, so I know nothing about all of this of the guiding and all this. So how does that work? You have to like, whenever you get a client, like obviously, you know, your company, you have to have licenses yep. in all the different States, but then the client would also have to have 
a hunting license, I'm assuming, yeah. in those states. Yeah, so uh, some states, uh, something like Arkansas, requires guides to have, basically it's like a commercial license. Think of like commercial fishermen, right? Mm -hmm. Like the three of us can't just go catch a yellowfin tuna that sets a world record and that's going to make us $20,000 and take it to the port and sell it. We have to have somebody with a commercial license to sell that fish. And it's some states require that for waterfowl or actually hunting in general. Some states don't. Um, but, you know, we're playing with loaded guns with people that we don't know. So, like, insurance is a big deal. You yeah. know, like, we have insurance that – liability insurance. Um, I've got a dog that I trained that, you know, he could get hurt at any point in time, you know. And so we've got insurance, and basically what happens is you book a hunt, right? You send me a deposit, and you say, I want to hunt these dates in, in this state. And I say, okay, um, we get you locked in, we get your dates written down, and then usually I try and get in contact with people about a week, week and a half before, you know, kind of give them a heads up of, you know, what, what it's looking like in the area. Because um, the big thing is, is we're offering waterfowl hunts. Like, we're not doing duck hunts, we're not doing just goose hunts. Mm -hmm. It's waterfowl, right? Because nine times out of ten, if we're in a goose spread in the field and there's ducks in the area, like – we about to have a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. And uh, so, and it's, it's less stress on us, you know, because I can't sit here and have all these areas that are loaded with ducks, but you only want to shoot geese and you're coming in next week to shoot ducks. Well, I can't go start piss pounding honkers off of these ponds and scare all these ducks off because now I got to go find them again, you yeah. know? So now I have to go find something specifically for you when I could be doing other things um, more productive, but so we offer a waterfowl hunt and you pay us and then you buy your own license. Um, some of the States were actually working on getting lodging with us. Um, but if not, you know, you're, you get your own hotel or Airbnb. I don't care. Whatever you do, you pay for your own license. Uh, cause it doesn't matter if I have a guide license or not. Like I don't cover you. These are cause they're federally regulated. So, uh, and then we go out and Basically, the way it works is we go out and hopefully shoot limits every day and um, have a great time. Take a kick-ass pile pick at the end of the day and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I, I go to the bar and grab a beer and you go do whatever you want. Um, so, but yeah, ad-lib version, like, you pay me, I do all the work, right? You show up, you shoot, yeah, and we call it a day. So do they have to have, do they have to get a hunting license in each state or if they, the state they live in? Is it's, that good enough? Like if I had one here, I could go to another state and hunt. So outside of conservation snow goose season, right, which is like my fun time because that's when, you know, you put the extended magazines on the shotguns and there's no limits and things just get weird. Um, <laughs> outside of that, you have to have a license in whatever state you're in. Um, so it's – I mean, I wish that I could just buy one license and call yeah. it good. But no, I mean, I've got North, Carol North Carolina, North Dakota, Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska. Oh, man, I've got so many licenses. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the states you don't live in are more expensive oh, than the state yeah. you live in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're way more expensive. So I think uh, I was able to miss Arkansas this year, thank goodness. Um, I think last year it was a $400 bill. Ooh. The, the night I showed up, 400 bucks right now or you're not taking clients in the morning. So, yeah, it's it's not cheap, man. And a lot of those places, um, 
programs are changing, thankfully, except for uh, like I think Kansas, Nebraska, and South Dakota. You still have to buy annual licenses, right? So I have to pay for I have to foot the bill for like a full year license out of state, even if I'm only hunting one one day. Yeah. yeah. But it's like an expensive day of hunting, you better get your limit. Yeah, but like Missouri, <laughs> Arkansas, um, I know Minnesota does it. Uh, North Dakota, Iowa, they have like three, five, and ten day packages, which I mean that's awesome. You know, like, yeah. even if you're not an outfitter and you're not going on a guided trip, you're just freelancing. Like, oh cool, I don't have to go spend two hundred dollars on an annual license so I can hunt one day. Um, so yeah, it'll save. It'll save the money. <laughs> yeah. So what happens to all the waterfowl <laughs> after you kill them? Uh, clients take their birds, and I take my birds, and I stock my freezer, and then I start giving them away because <laughs> <laughs> season starts well. So usually we start hitting honkers in North Dakota in August. So. By about mid-November, like, I really just don't want to see any waterfowl <laughs> packages in my freezer. Um, no, I, I actually try and uh, flip them and give them away, you know, landowners, uh, you know, it's because the bottom line, we're still using their stuff, you know, and the least I can do is, hey, like, eat these. Like, here's free meat. Enjoy. Um, a lot of times the clients will take their, uh, their birds with them. Uh, I've seen a lot of guys that actually take them to like a processing um like a butcher and they make like snack sticks or whatever out of them uh it kind of depends on how they got there you know what i mean if they flew generally i can pretty much bet that at some point in time like i'm gonna get a call from a butcher and have to go pick their stuff up and ship it to them um if they drove nine times out of ten those guys just leave a wing and a foot on or a wing in the head and throw it in a cooler and they take care of the rest of it when they get home so, but that's the rule, man. As long as you leave with your birds in your hand, when we walk out of this field, I don't care what happens to it. Yeah. Clean up after yourself. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Big. I'm very adamant about that. Um, yeah. That was thanks to the Marine Corps. That was kind of a big lesson that it's actually earned a lot of respect from farmers, you know, because um, getting permission, man, it's hard nowadays. Like, well, yeah, I mean, you don't want, I mean, most people don't want people just traipsing all over their land shooting yeah. guns mm-hmm. especially people they don't know exactly yeah. you know yep that yeah, thing you know. is so huge and you just don't even when you go to the range i don't trust other people yeah exactly it's well and you know you got the other big problem of like they get permission once and then you get all these dweebs with these jeeps and stuff and they go tear up people's fields and whatnot <laughs> you, do you guys feel attacked i, I feel triggered all right, that's, <laughs> the, that's the end of the episode <laughs> Well, yeah, so that's, I, I try and give a lot of my stuff away. So, um, And then a couple of the states have really cool programs. Uh, Hunters Feeding the Hungry. Arkansas's got it. Um, Missouri's starting it back up. Uh, I want to say that Kansas is getting on that train, too. Um, and basically it's – and that really comes in good for us for snow geese mm-hmm. um, in the spring. I mean – they taste terrible. The only good thing you can do with them is make snack sticks. And, you know, but the concept of the conservation season is they're so overpopulated that it's thin the population. And 
So, you know, we take clients out. We go kill 60, 70 birds. Like, I don't, Yeah, you're not going to eat that. I don't want these. Yeah. And I definitely don't want to make snack sticks out of 70 birds. <laughs> like, no. Um, well, and I think that's something that the point that you just raised about conservation is a lot of people don't understand that. With Whenever you have a group, any animal that's overpopulated like that, then you start worrying about disease gets in, mm-hmm. decimates the population, and crosses over to other animals. Oh, yeah. And then... Well, what they do to the land, too. Yeah. I mean, they can, they can eat a field. Oh, I mean, and yeah, I've watched... I've, I've sat and watched snow goose feeds, knowing that we have clients coming in, you know, and they're on 100-acre field, and I've watched them, and over half the day, you'll watch them move from the east side of the field, and next thing you know, they're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And it's... You know, they just, they absolutely ravish land. And, you know, they've tearing up, like, the tundra, you know, which is a big breeding ground for waterfowl. And they tear that stuff up. And, yeah, I mean, I think, and I think that's the other twisted misconception is, like, man, I love, I love killing stuff. Like, I absolutely love it. Who doesn't? <laughs> you know? But there's it says a, a Marine. Yeah, right? <laughs> Kill them yeah. all. Let God sort them I'm out. telling you, give me a box of crowns and, and a good duck blind, and, like, we're set, bro. My wife told me yesterday, not to interrupt I'm, you. I'm glad I hit the crowns before you count over here. <laughs> my wife told me that, uh, do you know Joey from After Action Network? I don't think so, no. Uh, so he's got a buddy who was a Marine, and he made edible crayons. Hell yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I think I somebody just got hungry. Up. Wait, you mean they were edible before? Hold on a second. <laughs> Man, he got really happy. <laughs> What's your favorite color? I guess that'd be always, that's always been my question because they got to taste a little different. Oh, man, it's definitely the green ones. The green ones? Yeah. So I figured red would be like cherry. No, no. The green ones are like sour apples, man. That's where it's at. That's fair. All that's right, where I, it's at. You know what? I'm in. Okay. <laughs> Conservation. <laughs> So how many times, how many Marines are going to punch us in the face in the street now? I don't know. So I, don't know. I, I regret every, every joke I just made. <laughs> hey, at least I'm off camera so they don't know which face to punch. Man, I feel bad about this. I'm sorry. Hang guys. on, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> and now James is on Instagram. <laughs> he's, well, got yeah, big, sure. he's got a big group text message going all, all Marines <laughs> active and retired. Yep. Hey, you guys ever see these dudes? Uh, Watch the podcast and listen to the shit they're talking. Yeah. Take care of that for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, not the first time I got beaten up. I'm kind of curious you, on your like opinion. Mafia. I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of veterans get into conservation type jobs um, post the military. Um, outside of shooting guns and killing shit, but what do you th- like? What do you think one of one of the big draws has been more towards conservation from the veterans? Uh, I would say the biggest thing is like, we're not, we're not desk jockeys, you know, it's, it, and it, it really doesn't matter what job you did while you were in, like you were bound to at least spend a week in some hole in the ground outside, freezing your ass off, wet and miserable. And I think that that attraction of being able to be outside working with your hands, um, and feeling, I think it's the the feeling that you're making a difference um, is also another big pull to guys. But yeah, I mean, I'm, we're not we're not desk jockeys by nature. Like it just doesn't happen, and that's a that's a clutch job for somebody that's like that. You know, they can't figure out what they're doing. But yeah, that is. I mean, that's a great point. Like that's a huge thing. I see a ton of Marines get out, and they go, you know, they they go. Uh, game wardens are a really popular one. Um, 
you know, outside of the typical, like, I'm going to go first responder, um, game warden is a huge one that they get into. Uh, and then you see a lot of guys get involved with organizations like Ducks Unlimited and Delta Waterfowl uh, and some of the other smaller ones that are, you know, regionally based. Um, you know, they get out there and they go do, like, conservation projects. Like, they go build wetlands or uh, they come out and they'll come out to, like, neighborhoods and they'll drain ponds and plant stuff like food sources, you know, whether it's duckweed, smartweed, or like millet or something like that, you know, they'll do something to benefit the habitat of that overall area. And yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge draw to them is that like, oh, I don't have to sit at a desk because really like nobody who does that. Like, <laughs> Who enjoys that? Dude, I sat at a desk for three years before I got on the fire department, and it was the most miserable. I mean, you just cubicle two feet away from your face. Yep. It, it sucks. Yeah, I did it for two. Couldn't do it. Yeah. And it's confining, you know? It is. Yeah. You it's go, like being you go outside, man, and I can just go do whatever the yeah. hell I want. I had a window yeah. right outside of mine I could see outside. Let's <laughs> 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 still go back to my computer. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, like where I was going was, uh, you know, a lot of people like, I, yeah, the killing stuff is fun and all, and that's cool. But I think the misconception is like, oh, you're a terrible person. Like you get paid to take people to go kill animals. But like, if you look at it, if you do a little bit of research and you look, hunters are pretty much the best conservationists out there. Like, all the fees you pay, and it goes right, right back into it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's proven that the money gets fed right back into the state um, and goes back into the land. Not to mention, like, I do it for a living. So why would I want to go out and mess up the environment <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I rely on to pull birds in? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, so I think that that's a big misconception that you find in the industry. And, I mean, you know, outside of, like, the snowflakes that just, you know, vegans and you know whatever they're they're against it like hey man like you're entitled to your opinion but well it's it's a lack of understanding they don't understand that you know humanity our population we have basically decimated the predator population oh 100 so the prey animals the natural predators there that would control that population Mm -hmm. aren't there anymore i mean i just saw the other day uh they did the first wolf hunt in minnesota in like i don't know how long and they took down like 213 wolves. Mm-hmm. People were in an uproar about it. Oh yeah, they lost their minds. Guess what? The population exploded because they were reintroduced. Yep. And you can't have that many. Exactly. Well, I mean, it comes down to like you were saying earlier. You know, it's it's not a matter of you can't have that many. It's a matter of they don't have the space up there. Yeah. You can have, have that either, many, but they're so it. confined that like. You're asking for this population to decimate itself if you leave them alone. There are things that are out of control. Like, these are wild animals. Sorry, you can't just go catch all of them and stab them with some magic medicine when they get sick. Like, it's not going to happen. No. Sounds a little like Thanos. (laughs) (laughs) It is. We're not talking about killing half of everything, James. (laughs) But, you know, it's funny, like, the same people that will complain, even locally, you know, here in the Midwest, don't shoot deer. Yep. And then they'll go hit a deer in their Prius and be like, why is this deer here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
obviously it didn't read the deer crossing sign, yeah. right? Yeah, you're supposed it, to cross a mile back. Rude up. ass. Like, what the hell? Yeah. What are you doing jaywalking, man? Don't yeah. cross the highway. We got a law for that. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's, it's, Somebody's it's paying for this, and it's not me. <laughs> no, but I mean, you like the wolves. If, even if disease didn't get them, they're going to end up eating all their food mm-hmm. or a big chunk of it. Yeah, and then the whole And they're going to start starving or turning themselves. Yep. Well, and the, but the first thing that they'll do is they're going to start encroaching into neighborhoods mm-hmm. and yeah. taking family pets and yep. you little know. kids. I mean, yeah, yeah kids, or, or like grown man. I mean, I, I, wolves are huge. I mean, yeah, I don't know if anybody's actually ever seen one in person. They're but like, massive. These are not small animals no. yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. No. I think some of the biggest dogs that we have out there. It ain't stopping that wolf, chance. man. Uh-uh. Yeah. You know what's fascinating too, though, is how, just how we're talking about how we've killed off our predators and like the prey animal, just how fast that wolf population exploded Mm -hmm. just because Mm -hmm. of the amount of the prey animals that are up there. Yep. Well, you know, it's not a bad thing bringing the populations back of these predator animals. I'm all for that too, but we, you got to think about, there's a whole lot of factors in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and it has to be a manageable level. Like, you know, where I'm from, I grew up in Louisiana, right on the border of Texas. There's a huge hog problem down there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous, mm-hmm. and but you can watch them, and the the population they explode so fast. Oh I mean, yeah, five become fifty in a matter of you know a couple of months. It seems like, but you have to take them out because they will. They'll destroy crops. They destroy. Mm-hmm. They destroy roads. Like where my dad lived at, right across the highway from him was a church. It had a dirt parking lot. They came through, and you couldn't even park in there anymore. They destroyed the whole parking lot, ate it all up. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. And that's another cool thing that's happened. A lot of those uh, outfitters, you know, you scroll through Instagram or, like, you get on Google and you hog hunting. The new popular thing is, like, they zip around in helicopters. Yeah. With <laughs> fully auto. I, I want to do that. With fully auto ARs. <laughs> Let's talk about a wet dream in the making right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? But... Why is can it gonna be a, what? Can I get a minigun, please? Yes. Just, uh, yeah. One yes. time. But th- what they do is they actually take those hogs and they donate them. Yeah, and a lot of them actually the clean population. them. Yeah, and they go donate them to homeless shelters. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I mean, you can sit here and tell me that I'm a terrible person because I kill stuff all the time. But at the same time, like, there's a lot of good that's come out of it, too. Um, so it's it's just a matter. Like you said, it's ignorance, you know? Yeah. And it's, well, it's people not seeing the whole picture, which yeah. is typical of our society right now is we want to take one little bitty thing and blow it way out of proportion instead of looking at the whole picture and going, Oh, so this is the reason for that. Mm -hmm. You know? And it, I mean, look, the way that I I grew up hunting deer squirrels, squirrel hunting, everybody wants to make fun of me around here because of it, but it, that's my favorite thing. That was dinner by God. Nerd. Hey dude. (laughs) That's like a bite. It was fun. It's a a chicken nugget. It it is all it is. It's the most fun I've it ever had. It is a lot of fun. It's, it it's really fun. is. And, but my dad was always very big on, if you're going to kill it, you're going to eat it. Yep. And, you know, this is, okay, they say we can have eight. That's all we're taking. Mm-hmm. And period. And mm-hmm. we, we go deer hunting. It's one. That's it. That's all we can take a day. And if it's not a doe day, because in Louisiana they had doe days, you yeah. kill as many bucks as you wanted. But does only certain days of the hunting season you could take one and i mean he was very strict and very big on that and i i mean grew up coon hunting the same thing there's a limit that's what we took no more no less 
And I think that's a that's that's something that's getting lost, unfortunately. Like if you look at the industry nowadays, like that is their fuel. Like I want to go kill shit. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not about that, man. It's not. It's not about that at all. Like for me, honestly, like I'm at the point now. Like I have a dog. Which I think you might have met him. Yeah. Um, like I train this dog myself, right? Like I could care less if I pull the trigger, hunting. And you guys go limit out, right? Like, that's my enjoyment. The whole process of this, right? It's the whole, like, I drove around and I found these birds and I did all this work and I got decoys set up and everything. And it's that whole experience that I think is what keeps me coming back that I think the younger generation is lacking. They don't open their eyes and look at, like, they just don't look at the concept of, like, yo, dude, do you realize how much work you put into doing this? Yeah. Like, great shoot. Like, you guys did awesome. But not only did you do awesome, like, you guys crushed it. And you worked your asses off to do it. And that's the cool part, you know. And I think that that's a huge thing that's been lost. And, you know, the concept of, like, I'm only going to kill what I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. Like, if I harvest something, then I eat it. That's simple as that. Yeah. There's too much of the, I just want to go kill shit. Yeah. Which, hey, man, like, I'm totally down for it. Go do your thing. But at the same time, you know. Well, but, you know, like you were talking about with the whole, like, the food getting donated to Mm -hmm. homeless shelters and things like that. I mean, that's a huge thing that probably not a lot of people know about. And it's needed. So why not? I mean, you're doing population control on an intrusive species and you're using that meat, it's actually being used. Yeah, you're we not probably just feed the damn meat. country off of hogs alone. Well, in Texas, for sure. <laughs> oh, well, Texas, Oklahoma, they're creeping up into Kansas now. I've got buddies in... I think they're in the southern Kansas. part of Missouri, too. Yeah, yeah I've got yeah. buddies in central Kansas that say that they're starting to get real mm-hmm. bad. And I can get a helicopter pilot's license. <laughs> I'm not flying with you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be somewhat sober. <laughs> <laughs> Why fly? Why drink being a fly? Or why fly being a drink? I'm also pretty sure that that's a prerequisite to getting a pilot's license. Yeah. You have to be able to drink like a fish, man. <laughs> a fly with one eye? Oh, God. Hey. I can do it. As long as you can read your dials, I think you're good. I, I think we're right side up. Yeah. I've seen the A team. I know you can do a loop de loop. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh. My brother's watching that the other day. I went over there for dinner, so I got home. I was like, I'm going to watch the 18. If any of you flight instructors are watching this, right now, <laughs> for the good of society, please make sure this doesn't happen. Yeah. Or name, just tell us my how name close is Jim we are being, right? Yeah. <laughs> how accurate is our information? <laughs> <laughs> now, I've, I've thought about getting taking those classes, <gasps> those classes. I like. I mean, I like to fly. But I think it'd be, I think it'd be cool. I don't know. For me personally, I like being on the ground. So I, mean, I don't I like, mind flying, but I mean, I don't uh, mind driving places too. But you know, not necessarily be able to get your plane. But like, I'm gonna go to the border. I'm gonna go to Corpus Christi, or I'm gonna go north in the summertime. And in this scenario, how do you afford the plane? That's that's where I was going with this. Like, this <laughs> man's talking about a whole lot of money that I don't think I'll ever see in my life. <laughs> Don't worry about what I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I got uh, podcast money. Question: <laughs> Tens of pennies. <laughs> we got seventeen cents. 
So what was your question? <laughs> no, I was I was curious. Like, what is uh, nurses, for example, or nurses nursing shortage? What is uh, what's kind of the status of like conservation type jobs? Um, I mean, the broad spectrum of them. Are they always? Is it pretty limited? Or are we still looking for more? Is it a career that needs to continue to grow? What's that like? Oh, I mean, you always need more. Like, there's too much land for the guys to do it now to cover it. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those things fall into that. You know, like government funding and like fine arts are the first thing to go in schools conservation first to go yeah and it's it's unfortunately like i as much as i hate talking about this pandemic shit like it's a real thing and it's put a big damper on funding for that stuff because a lot of that funding comes from you know they look at the parks like the state parks and like how many visitors they had you know and a, a lot of that stuff gets based off of that and uh, so, obviously, like we took, believe it or not, we took a big hit. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I would say, as far as enforcement, there is definitely a shortage. Um, game wardens, um, both state and federal, uh, there's definitely a shortage, which I'm okay with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, actually, I've got a buddy that's a game warden. I don't have like those guys do really good things, um, but. I think as far as the conservation aspect goes um, and the other jobs that are out there, they've gotten really good at doing volunteer programs. Um, not that I would know this, but like if you get put on something where you have to go do community service, like that is an option for you to go work with uh, whatever state department of wildlife. Um, and I know several people that that has turned into a career for them. They got in trouble. They did something stupid. They had to go do community service hours. And then all of a sudden it was like, yo, check out this dope ass job that nobody even knows exists. And so, but a lot of the things that you'll see are, are, are volunteer ducks unlimited, uh, Delta waterfowl. They've really, really pushed that. And they've brought to the, to the forefront. And a lot of States have started adapting that same concept of it, whether it's, Hey, come out and, let's work on these wetlands. You know what I mean? This certain, this certain weed is starting to get out of control and we're going to go pull them or like, Hey, maybe this is a moist soil unit that we need to go drain and plant. And they do volunteer days all the time. And I mean, you could pretty much get on any state wildlife department website and you can find volunteer things. Uh, so it, as much as I want to say that, yeah, there's a shortage, it's also kind of cool that there's an, not a shortage of people to volunteer and do it for free. Um, you know, it's kind of back to like the predator management concept. Like they're only going to be able to afford so many people getting paid. What, what projects start getting cut at that point? You know, where does our conservation go? Um, so, I mean, that's, and like I said, like it's all an opinion. It's all opinion based. I'm just a little opinionated. You guys learn. <laughs> so. Hadn't noticed. No, not at all. Not at all. All right. Well, Zach, thanks for coming by, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Definitely shed some insight. I know, you know, I didn't know very much about the whole waterfowl thing. That wasn't one of the things that I did growing up. You know, like I said, I hunted, but that wasn't. 
Yeah. You know. It's a good time, man. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. You guys go ahead and book a hunt with me. Daddy needs a new truck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I don't know if I can afford it. On the flip side, though, I did want to throw out. uh, So I I participated in standing up Team North Carolina of Fallen Outdoors. Um, And it's a nonprofit. There's tons of them out there. And I know a lot of people in them. Um, so if anybody's watching and like you guys are seriously interested, you don't have to book a hunt with me, but like, feel free to reach out on social media. Um, and I can get you in contact with people. A lot of these nonprofits, it's like, let's get dudes out in the outdoors. Um, you know, like it'd been brought up that a lot of people work in the outdoors after they get out of the military. And it's, you know, the whole goal is bring people together right? and let's be a team and get back to that tribe mindset that we had when we were in. And let's do it in the outdoors. Um, so, I mean, for anybody out there, like, feel free to reach out to these guys. They'll get you in contact with me or just hit me up on social media. Um, yeah, before you go, give us your stuff. Yeah, you got it. Okay. I've got we'll it. Put I'll put it on it, there, too. Yeah, I'll put it in the description, and we'll blast it out there and get some people out. Sounds good, man. Hashtag merch link in bio. <laughs> <laughs> too much TikTok, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. Maybe I got to download this thing. I'm fighting it. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you as friends, Mm -hmm. don't. I've done it, and I've gone down that path, Mm -hmm. and I can't come back, and I don't want to see you come down that path as well. (laughs) We've seen the videos you made. I uh, I haven't seen any of those videos, so. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. You're never getting out of that hole, I promise. (laughs) You just kind of get to a point where you just accept where you're stuck at. 45 minutes of scrolling later and you're like, oh my God, what day is it? I got an app like that. It's not Facebook either. Yeah. Anyway, so thanks everybody for stopping by. Um, If you're having a problem, struggling, reach out to somebody. Um, There's a lot of resources out there. So thanks for stopping by.